0: What's up, y'all, and happy Wednesday. You know we always like to kick it, go back to the roots, and our roots lie in Jubilee reaction videos. Today, we're doing black conservatives versus white liberals, and we have many a familiar face on this episode, so I'm excited. Let's get into it. Alright, we're back. Happy Wednesday, guys. We're through the middle of the week. Let me know what you're up to right now. What's your week plans look like? We have Taylor in Nashville.
1: Happy Wednesday.
0: Happy Wednesday. And we have Cam in the Producers Bay. What's up guys? Now we're gonna have an exciting show because we're gonna get into a Jubilee middle ground. It's black conservatives versus white liberals. And I always love doing these and hearing what people have to say. And this one has many a feature on it. We have Xavier DeRusso who works here at PragerU. He's uh, representing the black conservative side. Aaliyah who was on an episode of Jubilee with me. I recognize her and Destiny on the white liberal camp of things. So without further ado, let's watch this video.
2: White Americans have way more advantages than black Americans.
0: Okay, am I walking forward on this one? Ah, I have to think about it, I mean, Having way more advantages, I don't think so. I think we have different types of advantages in today's time, so I don't know that I would walk forward on this one. I think the argument's going to be made that because of, you know, the history of slavery and Jim Crow, uh, white people may carry on sort of generational privileges and advantages that black Americans don't have access to, and in some in some form that is correct. But with how much time has passed and how we've really evened out on on the equality side of things, I don't know that I would walk forward and say that white Americans have way more uh, advantages than Black Americans. They might also get into like socioeconomic status and things like that. I'll, I'll reserve judgment. I would hold back just because I can't, you know, endorse the the way more message just yet. Either of you walking forward for this one?
1: Yeah, the, the word way in particular makes it a tough sell to be able to say like, you could say, yeah, there are those residual sort of privilege from carryover of the history of racism in the country and whatnot. But I think anything that is leftover wouldn't qualify as way more. And it, even if you were to argue that there is a lot leftover or some leftover, it'd be offset by the privileges you get through affirmative action and things like that. So mm-hmm. that's, I, I would not agree on this one.
0: Fair enough. Cam?
1: yeah I,
3: oh that's taylor i would just <laughs> uh, tend to agree yeah i think that there could be some residual but um in general i think most of the active discrimination of the past is is gone
0: yeah agreed so we're, we're all holding back on this one let's see who walks forward
4: i think i'm a rarity here one black conservative it would seem so do white americans have more advantages because they're white or do just white Americans have advantages because of historic factors? Great question. I'm um, are um, saying the hard,
1: video you know, volume the is low. Might need to crank it I think that the oh, answer is you
4: you're white in the past, and that's how it that. carries over to today. You know, even in times of the United States history where black people try to build wealth, you you know, with uh, the Tulsa rights and everything, yes. where, yeah, they, that this wealth has been destroyed. And something that's upsetting to me is when conservatives talk about how that's, we can't blame the past for what's happening in the present. That is true to some extent. But then the next breath, they'll talk about how important it is to have dual-parent households, how important it has to It is to have a strong family, to have responsibility Mm -hmm. passed on from parent to child. And we've seen in the past that because of racial issues, that process has been severely disrupted. The funny thing is, is that
5: agreeing with...
0: It's so funny that I don't... Because of racial issues, that process has been... I don't know that I would argue that because of racial issues, that's why, you know, black kids aren't growing up in two-parent households and, you know, they're not being read to as children and that the culture is not particularly Stable in comparison to to white culture, and we do have evidence to suggest that that would you know that racial tension is not uh, giving way to those sorts of outcomes. During the Jim Crow era in America, when black people were actively being discriminated against, we were living in you know uh, these two parent nuclear households. So even in times where you could argue that legislatively we were trying to hold back black people we were managing to, you know, build families and businesses and all these different things. Uh, and, and Tom Sol writes about that pretty extensively in Discrimination Disparities, his book. I recommend uh, everybody look into that. And then you see a, a, a Democrat era just ushered into the United States of America and suddenly, like, the nuclear family is no longer together. Now, I would make the argument, and you could make the argument, that the you know, blue running of this country was actually trying to fuel racial tension. Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson has some very famous quotes, or uh, not famous enough, I should say, about, how he feels about black America and how he wanted to just like put a band-aid on the issues of of black Americans and make them feel like he was on their side just to sort of quell their unrest so that they would stop fighting for civil rights. And black people were advocating for like nuclear families, businesses, wanting to be fully integrated into society, wanting to be fully equal. And we saw leftist policies be ushered in that just like put a band-aid on the things that they were talking about and actually made things far far worse. And I'm sure we're going to get into discussions about welfare, so I won't go down that rabbit hole just yet because I, I, I'm I, sure somebody's going to bring it up.
5: All these things is when I did my research when I was younger, which arrived me to my standpoint of being a conservative because I believed it was racist, Democrat, liberal ideologies and policies dating all the way back to the 1800s, all the way up to the 1960s, and then you, the purported big switch. But I think it was more so when Democrats decided to be a bit more cloak and dagger about their true opinions mm. of black people and be more uh, secretive and more, oh, we want to help you by you know doing these things and seeing them as doing a mirror. Doing uh, Affirmative action, welfare, all it, sorts so of so things wait, that welfare, eventually so ruin fairness. our culture and places where we are now. Oh, so but, but, but I want to get back to the history.
0: That's so funny. He's wearing a Hunter
5: Biden 2024 we have hat. Because we're Well, I about, just want to make sure we're clear. Giving them money hurt them, right? Is that what and, you're saying? Uh, well, yes, giving them. Because if your father's out of the home, that's when we give you the money. If you're living yeah, in the so, housing the rent free. Well, then give them the money while, the dad's, well, the, money while the, money. the dad's in the if, home. If you're, if you're working so this amount of hours the, and getting less than this amount of you're dollars, throwing, you're getting money you're from the, government. the baby. Yes, it is you're throwing the baby out po- with it the bathwater. Is, I don't yeah. even know what that means in this scenario because, yes, you, you're okay, throwing babies you out with the bathwater. Margaret saying,
0: Okay, we're getting <laughs> we're getting all over the place. It's getting aggressive, and it's getting aggressive quickly. <laughs> um, I do remember this this guy, uh, the the black guy from a previous Jubilee episodes, and he is very uh, passionate, shall we say, about his his topics. Uh, it seems like Alec, I think, is his name, is also very passionate about what he has to say. Let's talk about what they were getting into an argument about welfare, and uh, I believe his name is Chandler. Was saying you're giving welfare to people who don't have fathers in the home and specifically seeking out those people and just to give that a little bit more context what the government would do at the time that this social welfare system was instituted was they would actually they would actually send welfare agents to the households to check whether or not there was an able-bodied man in the household that could have been a boyfriend could have been a husband whatever if there was a man who was capable of working in the household they were getting no money and, and no financial assistance. So it actually incentivized women to not have men around and men to not be around. Uh, and of course this breaks up the nuclear family and creates an incentivization system to have broken homes. So that's exactly what was happening. Now, Alex's response is, okay, then just give money to people who also have the, the father in, in the household. And there there's, a multitude of different ways we could look at that, okay. I There are countries outside of the United States of America that do have welfare systems set in place that do incentivize having nuclear families. I don't inherently see anything quite wrong with that. I do think there, if you're going to create a system like that, it has to uphold some sort of standard of working towards not being on welfare anymore. And it has to be a, a standard that, that works. Can I give you the policy prescription for that? No, I cannot, but I do think if your country is going to have welfare, you should incentivize giving that welfare to nuclear families uh, and I'm I'm trying to think. I think Hungary is a country that does this pretty extensively. You guys can fact check me in the the comments down below if I'm um, misnaming the the country. But they do have social systems that uplift families. They help with daycare. They have like a grandmother allowance to, you know, keep grandmothers uh, around and with the family so that they have that elder influence. And nothing about that. I, I think is inherently wrong. If your government wants to support you in that way, it just has to be a system that allows for, for progress out of social assistance, I think.
5: Wanted to exterminate the black race because she thought they were weeds. So yeah, we can literally talk about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's okay. what Margaret Sanger, that's what Democrat policies wanted to do to my people. So Let's, that's why I feel so strongly about it because it is these policies that date back centuries that were built off of the death and poverty of my people. Let's take a breath. So Sarah, I'm breathing. Okay.
0: Yeah, I I kind of agree. Let's let's all collectively take a breath for a moment, it's okay. We're just having a discussion. Like, nothing said in this discussion is going to change the course of the world. Like, we're not gonna stop, you know, being on the spinning rock that we're all on right now. We can take a breath uh, and, and get back to
5: it. So a lot of babies aren't, but I am, sadly. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know what that means. When I say throw the baby out with the bathwater, you want to completely get rid of welfare, okay? or at least the conservative, I don't want to put that on you, you haven't said that, but the conservative apparatus does, clearly. So, giving money to a group of people does not hurt them. I mean, they sure, if you're,
5: you're talking about a lottery, it you just say, hey, take can't. money. Uh, but yes. there, are, there are strings take attached money. to that money. Take all the there money. There are strings attached to money. Give them that millions.
2: Money. Make them all millionaires. I don't care. Giving money to black people does not
5: hurt them. And that, and ha- that has not that- happened.
0: Oh, what a what a what a simplistic view of of something that that is so very wrong i can understand the principle behind what he's saying like actively just giving something some giving somebody something that they could use doesn't necessarily hurt that person but it can when it is coupled with an incentive structure that forces them down a wrong path in life right if i give somebody money on the condition that they stay a single mother that money can in fact hurt that person it might not be the physical money itself it is the idea behind the money that reinforces the negative path that that person is on so yes if you turn around and just give people a bunch of money to do something that is not inherently beneficial for our society it does in fact hurt them and if they're going to look at the state of the black community and complain about the fact that fathers are not in the homes and that we have a broken down culture and kids are not supported, if you trace that back to where it may have started or at least been catalyzed, it would be with giving people money. So to make the argument that like giving somebody money doesn't hurt them is just way too simplistic. And I think deep down he knows that, too, and is just actively choosing to, let's say, morph the reality there.
5: And though, that has not happened. What, what do you mean? That has not happened. Giving, no. It, it hasn't been a reparations, you're saying get, it hasn't been this so or that. I, it has been a welfare program, Great Societies Act, that welfare was built was. off of the idea of, hey, we get these families split up, we get these so people So then let them here. keep the
2: family together and keep all the
6: money.
5: I mean, I go, guess boom, so, done. but I'm, I guarantee you there, I guess there is so. no way Why that Why would, would you not
6: advocate for that? So in your, I guess, research of like history of this country and everything, um, do you, find like the reconstruction era and like the failures of like what it wanted to be and then what it ended up being um and then which led into you know which it, you know had downstream effects to, to enter into the jim crow era and you know you have policies like redlining that influence you know how schools are funded the downstream effects of slavery do you think um put black people as gen- generally in a worse off position than white Americans. I
5: think generation by generation sure. the effects of slavery have been diluted, but generation sure. by generation the effects of racism, welfare-based policies and things of that nature became even more great. So in the 18 18- 80s or so when we had our first black members of Congress, which were indeed Republicans, I think that was a great start for things. But obviously we had terrible things that happened like the Tulsa Massacre uh, among you know, black people being chased out of their homes by the KKK. Sure. All funded by the Democrat Party, all supported by the Democrat okay, Party. Well,
6: I, I, mean, I need to stop you there. Uh, can you attribute not to the party but to the ideology? Because I think when you think, regardless of what, whatever the party switch was, traditionally conservative values did not, like, that's more aligned with, um, you know, uh, uh, more racist policies it's in very this country, like, very...
0: What, what conservative ideas is he talking about? Like, I wish, I, I need this substantiated. I want him to be directly asked, what conservative thinking or ideology are you talking about that is inherently racist? I, I nothing's coming up.
5: Pair 2020s conservatism to 1880s conservatism. We didn't get oh, enough time to before. flesh that out.
7: So, personally, I feel like there's really only one thing that white people have a true advantage over black people with, and it's that white people are less likely to be forced into a box. It happens with black people onto other black people, but it especially happens with white liberals onto black conservatives, where we are told that we are supposed to think a certain way, be a certain way, and if we're not, then we're called all these names like etc. And I
0: wonder what he said there, that they had to, like... They <laughs> had to censor out. Shout out to Xavier, by the way.
7: First of all is bootlicker because I hate when a white liberal tells me as a black man that I'm a bootlicker. Because then I ask whose boot am I licking? Because you're telling me as a white person that me as a black person that I'm licking your boot because I don't think in this box that you want me to frame my mentality in. That to me is real racism. And that's what we need to stop allowing to happen to us because black people are so quick now to not branch out and to have new ways of thinking or to go into careers like agriculture and these other career paths that black people don't typically get into, it's not because of racism stopping them from getting in there. It's because we're told for so long that you have to follow this path and you have to think a certain way.
8: I think America is a great place for a black person. I think I'm an American. Anything that's available to you is available to me and mine. I have per- I mean, Renee is absolutely right. I mean, it's probably the best
0: place you could be a, a black person. It's never been ISIS all the time. It's never been a greater time to be me You know half black female in America because you get just like opportunities uh, thrown thrown at your feet just by virtue of being Who it is that you are and if you need more evidence like look of all the people who are trying to get to America And yes black people people from from Africa black people from all over the world are trying to get to the United States of America for the opportunities that they would be awarded uh, being citizens here um, even to be a, a, a legal a person staying here, there you have more opportunities than you would in in the country that they're that they're coming from. So, are they deluded and just coming to a, a racist nation where they're going to have no opportunities and that they're going to be actively discriminated against? Probably not. Probably not.
9: Personally, never experienced white people having way more privileges than me. Like I'm sure you could find certain institutions where black people are treated differently. But in general, I don't think that I've missed out on anything because of being black. And if anything, it's given me more of a voice because people will want to hear what I say now because I'm black. (laughs) So if anything, I have more of a platform now just on the basis of being a black conservative and saying what's not popular than I would if I was just a white person who was also conservative.
1: I agree with the Supreme
4: Court's decision to end affirmative action.
9: Of course, I'm walking forward on
0: this. You guys know my thoughts on affirmative action. I don't even have to give you the whole spiel that I always give on this one. It's 100% yes. Uh, Taylor and Cam.
1: 100% yes. I'm with <laughs> you. I'm going to ask the audience here in a poll too, guys. Yeah. 100% yeah, obviously. I yeah. Think it
3: causes more racism than it solves.
0: Yes, it does.
10: I think... I'm not going to start. Someone else can start. Sorry. I
8: think think affirmative action has served its purpose. I think that it was necessary for a particular time. And I think that every black person knows how to get into college. Every black... I mean, you can pull out the the names, the Oprah, the President Obama. You can pull out the the head of Time Warner was black man, Forbes was black man. We know what to do now. We don't need affirmative action anymore. And to me, affirmative action is offensive sometimes, especially nowadays, because um, I I have six children and uh, two boys. girls and uh, <clears throat> all of them went to Harvard and Columbia and this one and that one. And it, would, it breaks my heart to think that they uh, accomplished their, that goal of getting to, into these institutions just because of the color of their skin. I
7: can definitely say that it creates a lot of tension when you have affirmative action. I remember my first week at the University of Illinois, I was sitting with some classmates and a white student turned to me and jokingly like, hey Xavier, like did you just attach a smiley face when you applied for this college? And I started asking what he meant. And he said to me that he was like, you're black, I'm assuming you had decent grades, you could have just attached a smiley face and you would have gotten into the university. So I was livid by that and I went off, I started naming all my accomplishments and I felt so confident only for about an hour. Cause then an hour later, I started saying to myself like, wow, like did I actually earn my way in here? I started to have this Mm -hmm. insecurity and I started wondering to myself, did I earn this position myself or did my ancestors suffering earn this for me?
0: I mean, it's a great question to ask and, you know, you can be upset at the student who said that to him. Of course, it's like a really rude thing to say to somebody, even if you felt that way. But the system that is affirmative action reinforces the idea that people are not getting uh, what it is they they deserve and that the people who are getting those positions don't deserve them. And I, I would feel this way personally, too, going around and, you know, sometimes I see people of color and I'm like, well i know this company does affirmative action hiring and diversity hiring and it always like it just makes you think it's like a little nagging voice like huh i wonder i wonder if that's you know something that was at at play here because that is what it gives way to when you say we are going to hire people based on quotas and wanting to have you know a diverse looking staff so it's only natural to have that question in your brain. Is it natural to go up to somebody and say, "Did you just put a smiley face on your application? No, but you know, the thought behind it is not the most wrong thing in the world to be thinking.
10: And too, i I've seen it in the sense of like affirmative action taking away from other people who are minorities. Like I had a friend who was Asian and he in high school and he really wanted mm-hmm. to go to MIT. That was his dream school. Mm-hmm. He interned there, he was super like prepared to go there and he didn't get in mm-hmm. and you can only assume that it was because of affirmative action because they have such a large Asian population that they want to admit other people. Um,
9: yeah, I was gonna actually argue that it's more racist nowadays because it excludes so many Asian Americans from getting into universities right. who do deserve a spot Absolutely. and they can't get in because of affirmative affirmative action which again like you were saying was necessary at the time yeah. but now it's like anybody if you have the skills to do it and you're in america you can't you yeah. can get in it's been a mostly
0: very respectful uh, conversation which i think points is is kind of evidence to the fact that liberals and conservatives i think the more time goes on and the more like the polar extremes of these you know two sides keep growing and growing, the more like the average liberal and conservative are going to sound almost indistinguishable from from one another. And that is certainly happening in this video.
4: I don't think affirmative action is the worst thing considering all the different types or aspects of a background you might take into account when somebody's getting into college whether they were in certain clubs you know boy scouts what type of classes they took that might not be available to everybody i don't think that factoring in the affirmative action is necessarily a bad thing but i feel like because of everything you guys have said the optics behind it are so horrible today that even if it is slightly beneficial in the long run for certain people, I think we can probably refocus most of that into figuring out, like, the class that people come from, the neighborhoods, the backgrounds, or whatever, without it having to necessarily target race. The only thing that I kind of wonder, now that it's gone, is instead of a black person being in school thinking, like, man, am I here because I'm an affirmative action pick, is it going to be a kid that is poor or a kid that's from a different zip code? I think we should do
10: away with all of it. Just, just, like, submit an application, no demographics. Why do they ask your sexuality? Like, why do they ask all that?
0: Now, I don't agree that we should do away with all of it. And I think a a very, like, distinct difference between being poor and being black is that being poor actually has, you know, like, record effects on, recorded effects on your life that we can look at and distinguish between. And we can actively see, you know, how the lack of resources uh, affects one's education and their outcome. So I, I think marking for race and marking for socioeconomic status are two very different things and to do away with all of it as she stated would be to actually knock down a peg the people who are living in impoverished areas or areas with lack of resources who really could be outstanding uh, but just simply won't have the opportunity to because their scores are not going to match up. They might not have the same club opportunities as every other student. They might not have uh, you know, access to technology that other students have access to. All of this is going to have a direct effect and impact on how you perform academically. So to not take into account things like socioeconomic status, resource, and Neighborhoods, um, I think, would be a misdeed uh, on students who really could excel if they were taken out of their their circumstances. In in the work that I've done in South Central here in LA with police officers and the different uh, programs that they have for young kids who are growing up in in the hood. Um, there are so many young kids that really, really excel when they are given the space to, to study and work, when they're given the resources to study and work, and they end up getting full-ride scholarships to, to universities that you wouldn't anticipate them going to had you taken these factors out of account when looking at their applications. So I most definitely think class and resource should be, should be looked at.
1: Yeah, I'll just say, Amala. I think that that's definitely a relevant factor. But to your point, I think you need to be able to recognize those resource deficient uh, students or young people earlier on in the process. Like, is a college admissions the point at which to try to remediate that issue? Uh, And because if you are going to prefer someone who's Underqualified on the basis of their merit, on the basis of their test scores, regardless of kind of how they came to that point, you you are now going to have to sort of discriminate against other people who are qualified for that spot in the admissions, and that's so now you're still left with the problem of solving one form of discrimination with another in in another context, and I I hesitate to say that maybe college admissions should still make that a factor in whether they admit students but i sympathize with the view that not everyone is having equal opportunity from the get-go so we should focus on going further back and creating those opportunities finding places where we can elevate young people and give them the opportunities that they deserve that they're not getting because of they're not in a, in a socioeconomic status that uh, other students do have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, as early as you can cash in, and as proactive as you can be, I think is the is the best case scenario here. I think like people who don't advocate for like funding for for schools that are actually is allocated towards resources that is the that is the important part because you have like cities like Baltimore that are getting you know these huge boosts in funding for their public school system. Uh, it's like. I I can't even give you the direct number, but lots of money per student and it's just going nowhere and it's not changing the the educational outcomes. So I I don't know, I think you have to catch these educational problems as early as as possible, but I would not mind a a college taking into account resources.
2: Uh, So if affirmative action accomplished its purpose, why do we still see the disparities that we do in the professional workplace? If you average white wealth and compare it to black wealth totals, white people as a whole have about 50 times greater wealth than black people as a whole Culture. Uh, per capita. So I just don't understand why you think affirmative action has accomplished its purpose. Also,
0: I don't know, he said 50%? Is that what he just said? That was a big number he just threw out. Hold on, let me average look
2: Average white wealth and compare it to black wealth totals, white people as a whole have about 50 times greater wealth than black people as a whole uh, per capita. So I I don't know that that's true. I don't
0: know the numbers on that. I don't know that's true. Cam, you're shaking your head. It's somewhere in that neighborhood, but
3: it it doesn't even matter because like, if we just assume, she's gonna ask him in a second too, like why do you just assume that that has to do with race or like racial discrimination? But if you if you it, you have to explain why that has to do with racial discrimination because there's also a nineteen thousand dollar wealth gap per capita between whites and Asians right and then Asians also make nineteen thousand dollars more every single year than white families right and so would we presume that that's due to discrimination probably not
10: no and you, you can, wouldn't
3: yeah you can also consider like there's a ninety percent correlation between um, the consumption of um, what is it called fake butter margarine really? and divorces <laughs> in
0: maine yeah. <laughs> yeah but are you going to say that <laughs> one is linked to the other it's so interesting like um uh, when I go to college campuses and speak to students, the one like thing that all the leftist students are trying to do is like get this gotcha moment on you where you admit that like racism is a driving factor in X, Y, Z. And they'll bring up any example that they can to get you to admit that like racism is a driving force within within black lives. And so often, they associate any disparity that exists ever, they go, that's racism. Most recently, with like, uh, the black motherhood mortality rate or something like that, there's a disparity, right? And we can see it, we can graph it, research it, whatever. If you immediately just jump to racism must cause it, there must be a bunch of like racist OBGYNs out there and they're just allowing black mothers to die and, you know, not assessing their pain and not listening to them when they complain about issues within their pregnancy. If you just immediately write it off as racism, first of all, there's nothing to be done i don't know how you you know train obgyns not to be racist and you know start upping their numbers when it comes to protecting black mothers could it maybe be that there are other factors? Could it maybe be that there are cultural differences when it comes to motherhood within the black community, that there are different ways that, uh, you know, they would communicate to doctors what they're going through, different rates at which they even go to see the doctor when it comes to their pregnancy, maybe late uh, finding out issues within the pregnancy at a later time than they would with other individuals. There are so many different things that you could ask yourself that could be factors in the disparity that you're seeing, but people immediately go, well, it must be because everybody's racist. That's, that's why, because the black people are the outliers. And it's, it's not a smart thing to do. It's really not because one, it will never get you to the heart of the issue. So while you're complaining about racism and starting this big movement in the name of like black mothers or black lives matter, or all these things, nothing's going to get done. And that mortality rate that you're all looking at is going to stay the same, if not increase. So you have to get to the heart of the issues and be able to set aside what might be your bias to explore other possibilities. And even if you explore, maybe you'll explore all the other possibilities and you'll find out that racism actually was what was causing that. But allow yourself to do the digging first. Don't just jump to the conclusion.
2: Just don't understand why you think affirmative action has accomplished its purpose. I don't curious.
9: see that. Um, why do you assume that just because there is a disparity means it's because of a racial issue.
5: What else yeah. would it be from? I mean... You know, upbringing, economic abilities, Desire skills. to go,
0: desire to... I mean, so- what else would it be from? If you hear that question, you're dealing with an ideologue. What else could it possibly be from? I told you guys, that's the test. If you're dealing with somebody and you you want to figure out whether or not the conversation is worth having, ask them, is there any evidence that I could show you that would change your mind on this? and maybe they'll say things like, yeah, you know, God could fly out of the sky and tell me that it's true, okay? Or, you know, you know, somebody could, a scientist could walk up right to me right now and show me evidence or whatever. As long as you get an answer from that person that there is something that would sway their opinion on this, you're probably not dealing uh, with an ideologue. But if they go, well, what else could it possibly be? Or no, there's nothing you could ever show me that would change my mind on this, and I know that it is definitively what I'm saying, just just pack it up and go home, but I hit the road, Jack. There's no, there's no point in having that conversation. It's like they
3: do, they, uh, how do you know that that's what caused it? Well, I don't. And since nobody else here knows, we're just going to go with what I think it is. Right.
9: It's exactly what's <laughs> happening. It's
10: exactly. It does
3: play
9: a lot. If you grow up in a neighborhood that experiences a lot of trauma, you're not as likely to do as well in school, which means- you're- Why
2: did they grow up in a neighborhood that experiences a lot of trauma?
9: I mean, lots of people do. We
2: yes, but a- why specifically do more black people?
0: you're going to say redlining even though you know black people are denied for for housing mortgages and loans and in financial services at black banks just as much as they are at white banks
5: government assistance programs government assistance programs like yeah. what try redlining I mean, you can go into that if you'd like to, but let's take it a look relevant. at uh, the Great Societies Act, which was created to kick black fathers out of the home and get black mothers on welfare assistance. These things aren't beneficial for economics. These things aren't beneficial for actually paving a way for success for black children and black families. I mean, taking, you know, reducing a two-family household to a one-family household isn't going to make them the richest man in the world. It isn't even going to get them out of high school. Nonetheless, the ability parent. to even get to college. The the child, yes, but a two-parent household in comparison to a one-parent household, that child is not going to be nearly as successful. That child is more disposed to being sent into prison by doing crimes or not doing very well in school. So how are they even supposed to get that, that wealth disparity shrunk? if they aren't even able to get out of the community that is causing these problems for them?
4: Something I think that this conversation illustrates is that like affirmative action is literally the very end of the line of a lot of different parts of a person's life. Mm -hmm. And by that point, trying to rectify all of the inequities that have existed, to try to remedy any of that at the very end with affirmative action, it might just be too broad a brush. And maybe we'd be better served focusing on the earlier issues than trying to throw a kid who maybe you know can barely read at a sixth grade level into a college to hope that that's the thing that fixes the problem at the end of the
6: line.
0: Literally what Taylor just said. Yep.
6: I think affirmative action wasn't really supposed to like Send kids to Harvard that weren't prepared to go to Harvard. I think that's but it is quite a myth In fact, I think those that have the qualities to get to Harvard Were before affirmative action were could just completely overlooked, you know,
0: he's he's wrong (laughs) He's just wrong. It's just like I, I get that how people feel about these things, but you cannot like lead with how you feel about something as it being true, right? You cannot lead with the fact that you think what people are saying is a myth because it makes you feel negative, you know? You can't go, that doesn't make me feel good when you say that, so it must be a myth, which is like what's happening here. There in California in the 90s, California was, you know, doing this whole affirmative action thing, you know, putting black kids in colleges that they weren't uh, really ready for, Berkeley in particular. In the 90s, California decided we're going to get rid of affirmative action which is shocking for the state of california to be the one to make that decision but they made that decision they said we're going to get rid of it we're not going to take race into account anymore and what happened was african-american students who were being placed in institutions of, of higher learning that were not well matched with their academic standing it started to level back out again And instead of going to berkeley they were going to like uc san diego and guess what The graduation rates went up, they were no longer on like probationary periods in their in their academic uh, semesters because they were paired with a college that matched where they were standing academically. It does not help somebody to just like throw them into Yale when they're not ready to go to Yale. It'll look good on your little like college brochures that you put out for for getting other students to apply, but it's not going to help with outcomes. And that's not to say that every, you know, black person who gets into Harvard or Yale because of affirmative action is not going to make it. I'm sure many have gotten their opportunity and they soared in that school. It's just to say we should take into account that maybe giving people an artificial boost based on their race is not going to lead to most of them having that outcome. You
6: know, uh, Clarence Thomas is like the perfect example, um, you know, regardless of what you uh, think about him. Um, He was able to get to Harvard because of affirmative action because you know, it was it focused on um, Finding people that were again like just overlooked But
0: but things could Clarence Thomas have gotten into Harvard without affirmative action. We'll never know (laughs) We're never gonna ever ever get to explore that and guess what he never gets to know so he's robbed for the rest of his life of ever knowing whether or not he could have gotten to Harvard on his own accord and now he's forever known as the affirmative action baby who got into to Harvard
8: it sucks. It ended up changing. It, it morphed into something else. So what started out as a good program of, of, of giving all black people or people um, with a lesser chance or lesser opportunity, it started out as that. And then it morphed, it. and I'm not sure who morphed it, but it morphed into, okay, so now we have that have one black, one Hispanic, one this, one that. That's and not how support. that works. It, but House. hey, talk to the corporations, talk to the people who hire, talk to the board members who say we need to have a woman on a board, we need to have a black on the board, we need to have a, a Latina, a Latinx, whatever, on, on the board. So so it morphed from from helping us into now.
5: Tokenization.
8: Yes. So you have to have one of this, one of and that. And,
2: well, you when you too. start with a country where people only hire you if you're white, that's necessary. And I know that you said that it started good and then ended whatever. And I don't think that affirmative action was perfect by any measure, but we still see really, really bad inequality. So if you're going to get rid of affirmative action, what's the replacement?
8: Meritocracy.
0: Oh, she answered it. Perfect. <laughs> meritocracy. That, that is what you, you, you switch it with. And it can be a meritocracy that takes into account lack of resource and you know socioeconomic status. It can very well be exactly that. Um, but for some reason, we're just like covering our eyes to the fact that we could do exactly that. You do not fix past discrimination with present discrimination. Is, you know, like point blank, hook, line, sinker. You don't do that.
2: Is people need to? There's no meritocracy in yes, this country. Is. You look at Elon Musk. Yes. He's destroying Twitter. There's no meritocracy. That's ridiculous. What, well, first- like,
0: what a non sequitur. I don't know. Like what? There's no meritocracy in this country. Look at Elon Musk. He's destroyed Twitter. <laughs> what? I don't understand. <laughs>
1: The bacon in my breakfast I ordered yesterday was undercooked. There's no meritocracy. This. Oh, really? <laughs> <It's>
0: like, <what? laughs> that's,
1: that's literally what he's doing. I want to
7: bounce back to is it's not a myth that there are like minorities that are being put into colleges that they're not ready for. If you look at a lot of these top universities, including Harvard, Yale, etc., you're going to see a lot of minorities on academic probation because they are being placed in universities that they are not ready for. They're not cut out for that just yet. And it even just makes sense if you look at how much they have to achieve in order to get there. Asian students on average have to score 450 points higher than a black student in order to get in the same university. So if you think of the universities that have courses etc that that grade on a curve you can only have so many people with an A so many people with a B etc so that means that the bottom percentile is going to fail Who is most likely, just based on logic, going to be the ones failing? It's going to be the people who didn't have the credentials to get there in the first place. And then
2: I have to bounce back to. I want to. I want to get. I want to get you on that point because I would posit that the people who are least likely to have good outcomes in an academic setting are those who have to work two jobs. Are those who have to drive there from home because they can't afford a dorm? Are those who have to go into crippling financial debt? These are the and and have other stresses in their life. They can't afford a doctor. They can't afford a dentist. They can't afford
5: anything. I had to do that too, though. That's not just
10: black people. It's not just but it's overwhelming
5: numbers. There are more white people in poverty than black people
0: And I also I I I hope somebody would actually look into like Ask college students like how many jobs they're working in and compare that to how they're doing academically I have a feeling just on like principle alone that somebody who's choosing to like work two jobs would actually excel academically and do quite well because they are a hard worker outside of their uh, Their academics and the academics is what's going to take them out of the situation of not working you know, of, of working two jobs. So I don't know, all the stories that I've heard of like kids who like go to school and are working super hard outside of school and are like doing two, three jobs or whatever, they're like hustlers and actually doing quite well academically. Um, you could argue that they're going through a much more stressful traumatic experience in their, their academics than, uh, you know, somebody who's on, you know, cakewalking and doesn't have to work. But I, do, I don't know that I believe that they're not doing as well
2: as the other students. If you look at the wrong numbers, but if so you I actually know, really what understand the what you're talking numbers. Numbers yeah.
10: about. It. No, no, no number is, is wrong. Poverty in general though, I don't think it's like who's in poverty, it's like poverty sucks. Maybe we, we should matter. make college
6: free. And maybe we want to have, if you have actually it actually wouldn't be that necessary. Hey, It'll get even more ghetto. You yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if you have a program that says you are under, if you are under a certain income level, this is how we'll help you. That will overwhelmingly help black people at a far greater percentage and it will help white people.
0: Doesn't mean, doesn't mean racism. Just because it's gonna help, you know, a certain color of people more than the other doesn't mean racism.
2: Trump supports black lives.
0: Oh, goodness. (sighs) Trump supports black lives. I just don't know what it means to support black lives. This is the thing. I don't know if I can walk forward or not walk forward on this. Do I think like, do I think Donald Trump cares about one color of people more than the other? No. Uh, but do I think he like specifically supports Black lives? I don't know that I would say that. I don't think he's like going and discriminating towards which lives he supports. I'll guess I walk forward out of like neutrality on the statement. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's a strange question. It seems very twenty twenty as well. Like, why are we even going here? But I guess you got to open up the can of Trump and Black people. So here we go.
0: Right. I'm like, I don't think that I can't think of anything that he's explicitly done to hurt black lives, so I guess I'll walk forward and say that he supports them. We might skip this one if it gets boring. I wanna get to actual interesting topics.
7: I think that President Trump supports all lives. I think that he looks at all American citizens as equal. I don't see him doing anything that would make you feel like he does not support black lives. Um, That's, of course, going to lead into the conversation of Black Lives Matter, which was a movement and an organization with so much corruption. Donald Trump not supporting that organization doesn't mean that he doesn't support black lives. It just means that he doesn't support the fraudulent organization that's stealing so much money from so many people to do absolutely nothing with it. Nor does he support a destructive movement. It's fine. I don't want to talk about it this
0: okay we're gonna do the next one reparations are necessary Reparations
7: are necessary
0: of course i'm not walking forward reparations are not necessary now um now i i will i might be an outlier in that i think when slavery was initially disbanded and we went through uh you know the the emancipation proclamation and that whole process that i i would have supported reparations at that time if you're gonna you know you know, take people out of enslavement, I would hope you'd, you know, help uh, with with the current state of their lives to the people who were directly affected. Um, now, we're nearly 200 years out of that process. What can we do now that is going to uh, repair anything that was done in, you know, the 1800s? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that's, that's something that we should, uh, bother ourselves with. But reparations back, you know, in the 1860s when this all went down? Sure, yeah, I would have supported that.
2: When we talk about reparations, I think that doing reparations in the way that a lot of people think of it, where we just give it to black people, I'm not an expert on this, but I think it would be more income-based and that in itself, like I said earlier, uh, would uh, disproportionately benefit black people because if you recognize that they are disproportionately uh, affected, uh, by a systemic injustice, then doing it on like a class level would
6: uplift proportionally more black people than white people or I think, any other race. Yeah, I think like- the um, what
10: he's advocating for.
6: Mostly like black GIs that were left out of like the New Deal, for instance, um, that to be able to come back and um, as a white American, as a white veteran, to get um, a home loan and then build that generational wealth, mm-hmm. um, you could not get that as a black American. Um, so there needs to be, I think reparations, I don't care really what form it comes from. Uh, I think free healthcare, uh, free college, so that everyone has like an equal opportunity to, um, uh, to educate themselves, to build a better lives for themselves. Um, so it's sort of like, uh, and I think um, Germany is also a perfect model to follow, um, you know, by uh, don't, issuing, first of all, a formal apology, uh, which we haven't even done that.
0: Huh? (laughs) A formal apology? I I can't, I don't know if this is serious. Like, I don't know. Like, who, who has, who needs a formal apology for slavery? Like, please raise your hands in the chat down below. I don't, I don't know who needs that and what that does uh, for anybody. And the fact that he doesn't care like what form the reparations come in is a little concerning, right? You should care exactly what form your, your, the reparations that you're advocating for comes in because it directly affects people. It directly affects our society.
6: Um, But also just like um, donating to like different uh, funds and you know, just I think a more equitable society striving for that is uh, reparations in and of itself.
9: I have no problems with reparations if they had happened initially during this like slavery or the civil rights movement or any of that but to try and do that now logistically just doesn't really make any sense. And like, where would this money come from? Like, we're in so much debt (laughs) as a nation. Would I get this money? I'm biracial or triracial. Like, do mixed people get it? And like, do Irish people get reparations when they were indentured servants? I think for
4: reparations, if you can find specific instances of somebody being like actually deprived of something, um, whether specific instances of like the 40 acres at a meal uh, promise, or whether you can find specific entrance uh, Uh, Cases of like Chinese people building railroads or Irish people whatever people being Mm -hmm. deprived of things. That's okay. But otherwise, yeah It's a logistical nightmare. There's no possible way that we'd be able to do it well Yeah, Yeah,
0: like who deserves their specific instance like who which tragedy deserves to you know Be like dug through and like we're gonna go through what the census for all the different years that the government has committed an atrocity our government has failed the people on many more occasions than just slavery, guys. And that's the same for every country that has ever existed. So where do we decide, you know, like what traumatic experience is traumatic enough to dictate us looking through your your ancestors to give you reparations? You know, if if, if that's what we're going to do, then I think probably everybody who exists right now has some sort of claim in their ancestral history to reparations from one country or another. Like, humans have gone through suffering at the hands of of governments and institutions for all of human existence. So who, who makes that call? And I think there's a reason that America is the only country having this discussion, and, like, the West is the only, like, region having this discussion, because we're the only ones who are even remotely concerned with, like, making good on bad things that we've done in the past
7: because unique because we have bent over backwards for decades now putting minorities in a position of privilege I feel like we have done so much to give back to the communities that were obviously wronged and I agree with both of you like had this happened a long time ago I would understand it if we had specific incidences that we could trace where people were just completely screwed over I would respect it but right now I don't deserve a payment for something my great 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 grandparents went through and I don't think that white people are responsible for paying that to me either
5: I know we
0: Oh, our computer went out. But also, it's just like, it does reinforce this sort of attitude, I think, uh, within like black culture at large that like you're just constantly owed something. So when is that rectified? Like, at what point have you been paid enough or given enough affirmative action or, you know, met your diversity quota here, there and that, that and the other or had your black owned business featured on this and that? At what point do you go, okay, we're even now? You, you never you never are even in fact, like when you give in to these things, it just reinforces the idea that people are owed something. So it just becomes this never ending cycle of asking for more and asking for more. That's why you'll hear like a thousand different ways that black people will say they deserve something based on their their previous oppression. And, you know, if you feed into that, especially when the, the basis of the argument is illogical, it will never stop. You're just creating a culture surrounding blackness that says, by virtue of being black, you are, owned, you are owed something by this country. And it's something that you may or may not ever ever be paid. When really, at this point in time, we should not be talking about paying anybody anything.
5: You right. don't want to use the virg- word virtue signaling, but it's sort of like a bribe for a vote in a, in a way, at least in my opinion. In states like California, where they've been throwing around the idea of, oh, we want to pay out this much money to every black citizen in, there, uh, in this state, it's like, Oh, are, are you serious? Because this is kind of like a, a joke, in my opinion.
8: I think that if you, if we impose, or yeah, impose reparations now, I think it would rip America apart. I think that we're already separated enough as it is, and now you're going to have people walking around going, "You owe me money. You owe me, money. dude."
0: She's making a very, very great point there. You saw the affirmative action conversation, and how it played out in this setting, right? It was people going back and forth about what they deserve, what they didn't deserve, judging each other, telling stories of being judged. Now, imagine if that goes from like college applications and job opportunities to actual stipends of money in a time where economically we are not doing great whatsoever. Inflation is at an all time high. You know, every every average American in like our, our your low, lower income bracket, low middle income bracket is struggling a little bit. And there are many people living paycheck to paycheck. Now you are just going to you know, inflate the economy even more by you know, printing money to give to, to black people in large amounts from many of the discussions that are being had in different states. How do you think that's gonna affect racial tension and racial animosity in this country? I can, I will venture to say it's not gonna do good. Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna build a sense of unity amongst the different
9: races living in this country. But I'm not paying you any money. It would just really rip us apart. Giving somebody money doesn't mean anything if they don't know what to do with the money or how to handle the money. So if the primary issue in black culture or with black people is generational trauma, then maybe they need more therapy than they need money, honestly.
6: Which conservatives are also against. Well, that's kind of my argument. Like, if there is like that, like generational trauma or whatever, like, I think examples of like free health care, um, they could see a therapist and not be, you know, fall into debt. And I think the argument of like the logistical nightmares of it, I think if we want to pay for something in this country, we usually find a way to do it, especially when it comes to the military. So, um, it, I mean, we pay for multi-billion dollar it's, it's jets the all the dollars, time. It's not the dollars, it's
5: who's supposed to get them.
4: Yeah. Not to attack progressives, but th- that is like the most progressive idea in the world, is like, I can see the headlines, like, reparations voted on in Congress to be paid in the form of free therapy for people in the hood. That just sounds like the funniest <laughs> f- yeah. thing in the world. I mean, but,
0: And I just want to like, is how many people in the hood do you think would go to therapy if they were given free therapy as their form of reparations? Just really put that out there. Um, They wouldn't. They wouldn't.
6: Well, I also don't think it's going to come directly from, like, you know, white person to black person. Like, oh, you, you, um, your lineage, uh, affected his lineage. It is, though.
0: I can't speak on the healthcare point, though. I haven't looked enough into, you know, healthcare systems at large to be able to give a prescription as to what needs to be fixed. We know this stuff in America is just all over, over the place. And that's, like, corporatism and big pharma and stuff like that. I don't know how, you know, the free healthcare system would work with what he's advocating for. Uh, but again, like... If we are, if we can actively acknowledge that within certain parts of black culture, there is like really big problems that are not going to be solved with money. They're not going to be solved with just like throwing healthcare. Do you really think like throwing health care at people is going to make them like go to therapy and the doctor and stuff like that? It's probably not. Probably not.
7: Like in San Francisco, they were going to raise the average family or the average household in San Francisco was expected to pay $600,000 each with the $5 million per black person proposal that they had. And I used to live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I was repulsed by that because you have so many homeless veterans on the streets, and they were going to give black people a home for as little as $1 just for being black. Mind you, slavery wasn't even in California. So why that was going to be the case, Like I don't understand, but it's extremely unrealistic to think that the average family in San Francisco can afford that. That's
8: because Newsom wants to get reelected.
2: <laughs> okay, but you don't yeah, really insightful. care about homeless veterans, right? That's, like
8: that's just you, a do, you don't support you don't
2: know I
9: feel like me. Yeah. All your arguments so are but, but, you, but you're yeah. literally every single yeah. one. You're here as a
2: conservative, so yes, y- right. so what policies do you support for homeless veterans?
7: There's ways to address. I mean, specifically I, f- for homeless in general.
9: That's
0: a yep. whole different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give me give me your your whole write up for how the state fixes homelessness, please, right now, because you know because you just mentioned homeless people. That's like such a difficult thing to answer. I mean, there are ways you could answer it. Uh, I we talk often about like Michael Schellenberger in San Francisco, his whole book that he wrote about his own policy prescription for solving homelessness. And guess what? A lot of it involves social policies. And there's a lot of conservatives who have read that book and uh, support his his prescription and his view of what could happen happen in cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York where we're dealing with this pervasive homelessness issue. And a lot of that is, yes, the state using funding for for mental health, the state using funding for drug addiction rehab. There's a lot of different things that that you could could do. But just to call somebody out and say, like, you don't care because you're conservative, tell me right now how you fix the issue is not helpful. It's just not helpful. Alec. It's not
4: helpful. Okay, let's say that we didn't find a middle ground in there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, but that's a great ending note. Okay, we have... White liberals have a savior complex. One more prompt,
0: complex. I think. White liberals have a savior complex. Not all of them. Some of them. Not all of them. I think we all have a little bit of a savior complex in us somewhere. I think... And I think that... It, maybe it's it's a it's a negative thing about humans, but it's also a really beautiful thing about humans that like when you see somebody who you perceive to be struggling, or a group of people that you perceive to be struggling, your instinct is to to help. Now you can have that from an egotistical like I want to be the savior of these people and I want to you know march for them and all this stuff, and that's the negative view of that. But I think underneath that view is. A want to to help people and that could be a really really positive thing if utilized correctly and if utilized in the in the right direction uh, and it's unfortunate that it's not in the right direction but yeah a lot of people have a savior complex and it, it just makes you feel good to do things that make you stand out as a superior person morally
5: Well, I gotta say, this is a shock. I never expected all four of you to just come forward and admit it, but you know what? I'm happy with these results. I just think it's
6: uh, a lot of people, a lot of, I guess, uh, people, you know, of the left, whatever, um, can kind of fall into that trap of uh, thinking that, you know, black people as a monolith need to be saved as like, as a whole. I have no shame about
2: it. I have a savior complex as an older brother, and I will save you whether you like it or not, so. That's just me. Well, it's definitely not because a lot of us are
7: really just exhausted of being viewed as our skin color because when you have this mindset that you need to save black people and we're just sitting here minding our own business and living our lives the way we want to, I don't know why it is that people feel this immense pressure to be so apologetic and just Always trying to cater and coddle to Black people when we sh- just want to be treated like everybody else. We're equal for a reason.
4: I think especially recently, with a lot of riot stuff that's gone on or protest stuff that's gone on, people on the left tend to infantilize a lot of different types of protesters. And especially even mm. talking to, you know, some of the other Black content creators I do content with when you hear a lot of progressives come out and say, well, they don't have a choice but to riot or break into the store or, well, Mm -hmm. they're stealing, you know, these electronics or shoes for good reasons, you just don't realize it. I think a lot of people kind of look both ways and it's a little bit weird that there's such a complex on the left to excuse like every single possible negative behavior from somebody, as long as they're a skin color that you're kind of in charge of protecting.
8: I find that very offensive. Yeah. I I find it extremely, it upsets me um, to hear that because um, we're just like you, we just have, a, a different skin color and to hear that you have to you have to help me is offensive to me i can do my i can do it on my own yeah well we
2: have to break down sometimes why these riots happen you know mlk once oh, said that gosh. riots are the voice of the unheard so if you are to address the problem and st- does
0: not mean that he endorsed
2: stop them. the riots you have to address the underlying inequality that has historically been pervasive you know
0: I love how he's, he's like using MLK to substantiate his idea surrounding riots. When MLK was not a rioter, if he truly felt that like that was the way to solve things, why did he try to focus on you know being nonviolent in his form of, of protest and in his form of communication?
2: Well, even if you as individual people are doing fine and you don't want anybody else to uh, get in the way of that, that's cool, and I'm not going to get I'm I'm not going to be the one to get in the way, but the the disparities are undeniable
7: so if you take pride in having like a white savior complex what is it that you think that you're doing to save black people and what is it that you think that you're saving black well, people from
2: uh, i right. am trying to make the world a better place through whatever means i can and
8: but you're doing it on the backs of us i uh, i wouldn't I f- say so yeah i i actually do i feel like like you want to be a savior for and you're using me to make yourself feel good that's no. that's what How I'm am hearing. i hurting you you're-
0: and it's also a very bad mindset to to have in that, he the way he's thinking is that because I feel like I want to do what's best for the world, that means that everybody else who is disagreeing with me is trying to not do what's what's best for the world, and they are inherently against me. They are a you know a common enemy that uh, I will share with anybody who shares my ideology, and that's not not true. I imagine if you sat down these people and you interviewed them separately about, do you feel like you're trying to be a general force for good on the earth? they would probably all say yes. And I think most human beings, regardless of ideological bend, would say the same thing. So like, his is is clearly coming from this position of like, I am right. I am trying to do what's best for the world. You are wrong. You are doing what is wrong for the world. And it's not helpful, especially when you have black people sitting in front of you telling you, hey, buddy, I don't need it. I don't need you to do this for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's also kind of ironic that throughout the conversation, he's sort of been painting a caricature of the the right or conservatives and saying, oh, conservatives are the ones who are the KKK racist ones. Conservatives are the ones who don't care about homeless people at all. And he's ironically acting out the caricature of a leftist who thinks that they're the enlightened one whose policies and prescriptions could never possibly be doing more harm than good and that he's got all the answers and doesn't need to listen to anybody's perspective or take it seriously because the the people that are to the right of him are obviously racist and it's just really funny that you know he can't see through the the thick uh, veil of ideology that's clearly uh, surrounding him. And I think it's interesting, too, the contrast between him and destiny. Mm-hmm. Destiny's, I think, representing the liberal position. And this is where language can, becomes helpful to distinguish between liberals and, and leftists. And when we say leftists, we're usually referring to those people who are more rigidly ideological in their thinking. And liberals are the ones who still kind of are truth seeking and can engage in, in arguments in good faith, mm-hmm. uh, but just maybe come to a different prescription of how we ought to solve problems with more government intervention or whatever. But uh, I think it's really interesting. You're seeing this play out before your eyes, what a radical leftist sort of ideological position is on things. And honestly, that kind of feels very familiar, uh, just given how much sway that that end of the spectrum and how loud they've been in recent years, especially, and how much sway they've had over society in recent years and in culture. Um, and you're seeing the contrast between that and uh, the, a more liberal who is willing to say, yeah, okay, maybe some of those policies won't work, won't work. Maybe the reparations thing is too broad a brush and affirmative action is too broad a brush. But I still am sympathetic to this view for reasons X, Y, and Z. And right. uh, as you stated at the beginning of this, like it's good that we're just having these conversations and hopefully it won't feel so polarized as we sort of, as the people who are more rigidly ideological which ideology does exist on the right too, and and that's certainly a thing that exists and is to be acknowledged but as those people get pushed out of the frame and we can have more conversations that actually focus on substance of the issues where we actually disagree now we're actually getting somewhere and uh you know as as this is coming to a close i guess that's, that's something that started stood out to me
0: yeah we're all going to sound super similar even though we'll have different labels which is why I, we we need to move away from from labels and lickety split it because it's 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 har- it's harming us more than it's helping
8: but you're not letting me have my own voice you're not letting me speak. how you're speaking now no, you're cutting I, her I off yeah
2: <laughs> well I, I feel like i have
6: to
0: yeah well <laughs> that's so funny to be like the white savior of black people and a black person's trying to tell you like dude chill out we're good like we're just like you and then you're like. I actually feel like I have to interrupt you on this point. I actually have to, I feel like I have to tell you black
8: person what you are. (laughs) I mean, you're speaking right now, you're speaking right now in this particular setting, but what you're saying is, like um, you, you, you took it back to riots and so forth, and it makes it seem like the only way that we as black people can voice our, have a voice is by riots, and then you need to come along and you need to say, okay, poor little black child, let me help you, let me help you. That's offensive to me, and 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 I feel like you're making yourself feel good about trying to tame, help us, in a.
4: I also think think that, like, when we talk about damage, I think especially when it comes to a lot of the shoplifting stuff that's going on in certain cities, you get a lot of white people that live in nice suburbs saying things like shoplifting is no big deal, that's fine, and then you'll catch YouTube videos of them later on being in a Walgreens in, like, a shoddy neighborhood, and they're like, man, why is the deodorant behind a locked case? It's very Mm -hmm. easy to sit behind a gated community and say, oh, well, you know, it's not a big deal, you know. Um, They they steal because they have to. Riots are the language of the unheard. I think people haven't read the full context of that quote. When MLK was saying riots were the language of the unheard, and you need to address the underlying condition, he wasn't condoning the rioting, he was just understanding it.
6: Obviously, there are a bunch of white people that um, feel they need to be a savior, but I think there's a difference between helping and saving. Like, I don't think I need to save black people, but I would tremendously love to help and um, make sure everyone has, like, uh, equal outcome, or not equal outcome, but at least equal opportunity.
0: Where do we not have that?
6: Which, in my opinion, I feel we do not have in this country.
9: This is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. Um, So I didn't step forward just because I don't want to broad brush all white liberals as having a white savior complex. I have experienced white liberals who do have that, and um, they're very unpleasant people. (laughs) But I don't think every single white person who's a liberal or who is an activist for BLM or any of those things, necessarily has a white savior complex. I think that there's a lot of white people who genuinely think that black people are oppressed and they wanna help and that's what they're told.
7: What it seems like to me when most people have savior complex regardless of whom they're trying to save, it's like they're taking real pain and real trauma and using that as a way to push this political agenda, but also to alleviate themselves of whatever guilt that they feel unnecessarily. Like, I don't know why a white person today would feel guilty for things that happened decades ago, let alone something that happened centuries ago.
2: I've never seen a white person say, I personally feel guilty for slavery. I Maybe they're out I, there, but I've never, th- I've that. never heard
5: that. Yeah, our, okay. in second grade, when they taught us about slavery, almost every kid in my classroom would spend their entire time looking at black kids in that classroom. Okay. How was I supposed to not think, wow, these people are feeling guilty for something that they have no involvement in and I have no involvement Every kid in, in, in my classroom
2: grade. understood the context. People so.
10: hate feeling uncomfortable. And obviously, you don't so want to feel fearless. like the bad guy. And so I feel like it comes from a place of like, oh, well, like, let me make sure that I'm different and like, I'm showing you that I want to like help you but it comes across like I think it can land
0: I like this girl she's like super is just self-aware open like is clearly just there to like hear people out and put in her two
8: cents every now and then she's great. very poorly I'll tell you what stop it stop okay. it because what have happ- stop it Get some help. When you put yourself <laughs> as the white savior, what you do is you elevate yourself above the black person because you feel then like you have to save us. So just stop it. Just treat everybody regular and normal, just like if just like I would treat you regular and normal. Mm-hmm. You treat us regular and normal rather than trying to save us. I
2: just got one thing I wanted to bring up earlier about taxes because you were saying that A you what? don't, you you had your job and you were talking about how like you get the tax every every time and you're like seeing your tax go up i worked in nursing homes in 2020 covid the last thing that was on my mind when i watched 60 and 70 year olds on their deathbeds suffocating to death was taxes i was worried about health care i didn't give a about taxes in that time so when i go to work every day. That's what I see. That's oh. what I want to fix. What
8: is that? I see. I see you once.
0: Do you see what he just did there? That was like the ultimate virtue signal of all the virtue signals. Like with the most like for an, out of nowhere, out of left field, hop in and like tell. That's what I care about. And yes, you'll you'll notice that the most powerful word. In all of those sentences he just said about being a nurse and the the people that he uh, apparently watched pass away in his taxes, the most powerful word was I. I, 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 I did this. That's how I feel. I'm such a great person for what I think. Don't be fooled, right? The story is sad, you can feel attached to what he just said and feel like you know what? I I you know that's great that you felt that way and that you've done such a wonderful thing or whatever. But the most powerful word he said was I. And that's all that he wanted to communicate to those people is that I feel superior to you because of what I've done and how I feel about it and you are therefore
8: lesser than me. It's again uh, elevating yourself Above the rest of us and, and particularly me. good a white man elevating himself above a black person He called that's me a bootlicker.
7: Oh, no, I what,
2: triggered what, them I, all. What, what, I'm
7: sorry. What, I'm oh, sorry I'm
8: Called him a bootlicker. I wish they kept that in the edit. Where's that? Great. I'm okay. chilling, buddy. Yes, So you what are. I hope comes oh, out I'm of this chilling. conversation is that we're all Americans. And because we're all Americans, we, and actually we we know that America has a bunch of problems. I and mean, I think every person here wants to solve the problems. And I think everybody's bringing what they have to the table with their ideas on how to get us to unify. This kind of stuff, eh, right? But <laughs> you got something in there. Hopefully, I mean, I'm gonna give you the benefit, it, benefit of the doubt that you have something in there that's redeeming about you, that would bring all of Americans together. So I hope that we end on the note of
9: American.
7: UNITY, why? I,
9: I would like to say I, we're all made in the image of God, exactly. and so we all have our inerrant worth just because we're made in His image, and we should treat each other as fellow image bearers, not just by the color of our skin. I mean, as Martin Luther King said.
2: <laughs> he also no, was- did not like capitalism.
0: I think I love how we use like Martin Luther King is like this, like through line of like this is the guy we're meant to follow for everything and all his opinions when really wasn't the greatest man. Uh, we won't get into that on this episode, but Martin Luther King was not the greatest man. Uh, so it's so funny that we just like use him all the time because he said this one thing that is good and uh, uh, we should we should uh, live by. But. So weird. He, everybody's talking about like I feel like we're all trying to do the best thing, you know, we're all humans, we're all you know like made in the, the image of God as Leah says, and then he's just like, alien capitalism. He's so like driven by the the, the cog of of leftism that he can't possibly like take a, a separate road, you know.
4: Something that's really challenging, um, I've definitely been guilty in the past of throwing around the Uncle Tom word. Uh, I used to be hardcore progressive. I'm still relatively progressive. But something that I've learned as time has gone on is Being a white person isolates you from a lot of the different types of racial struggles that people go through, and those struggles can take a lot of different forms. Not just, you know, was my ancestor a slave and not just is my culture bad, but sometimes in the way that, you know, people grow and develop, right? Like, um, am I actually choosing these political beliefs because they mean something to me, or is it because I'm black or my parents are black? Uh, If I speak a certain way... Am I betraying my race? If I am a political orientation, am I a bootlicker? And I think that it's important when you're coming from a progressive point of view, to understand that even though there are conservatives that are black people, it's, you have to treat them as individuals and not just come at it with this, like you're black, you're a conservative, therefore here's like six or seven different slurs that I can use against you, but they're approved because I happen to be on the progressive side.
0: Perfect. Good way to end out the video. Good job to everybody uh, except for Alec, but that's OK. Uh, it's OK. He will come around. Uh, there, There's still time uh, for, for that to change. And uh, there's my face from the trans versus conservative women. You guys can check that out if you haven't seen that. We also have a reaction to that episode on this channel. We are going to get into Super Chats. Ladies and gentlemen, I yeah, want to hear I, from you. I'm
1: actually glad Alec was on there. And I think uh, the Jubilee should be too, because mm-hmm. uh, one, it made for better television. And <laughs> two, uh, it did represent, he does represent a fairly large swath of people in yeah. the U.S. and with how they think. So, you know, that's that's what this is all about. Yeah, it was but, a good
0: juxtaposition.
1: Uh, yeah. And I think it, it's, it was uh, great to actually see once all those ideas get in the ring together, you know they kind of expose themselves so yeah it's Anyways. interesting
0: i thought like normally on jubilee videos if you go into the comments to like read what people are saying it's normally skewed negatively towards the conservatives but alec is getting a lot of flack it says like kudos to the conservatives for keeping their cool with alec alec is the perfect example of uh the people that are a part of the problem thanks for having him on i gotta give cred to alec for his honesty he truly holds the opinion if you don't agree with me you're racist so there's like a lot of wow i'm, I'm surprised
3: great calling and it it's out its just
1: you can't help but like listen to him and then think about like the how san francisco is dealing with the homeless issue uh the negative outcomes that way that have resulted from welfare and affirmative action and things like that right. And it's, it's literally people who think like that that create these these bad outcomes and it's what is it milton friedman said uh we don't judge policies by their uh intent but by their outcomes yeah and that's precisely why so percent anyways uh okay julie cook is kicking us off today with the super okay. chat she says can someone please please tell me how many people in wyoming are currently watching i just want to know if i'm alone
0: thanks <laughs> okay if you're in wyoming <laughs> drop it in the chat guys <laughs>
1: Uh, Levi Kusky says, Hey guys, finally caught first live. Welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, Thanks for all you do. By the way, I listened to your videos while delivering for FedEx ground.
0: Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) I've I've had a FedEx driver who like delivered packages, recognized me from the show, which is, I guess we're, we're pretty hot and you know, at FedEx.
1: (laughs) Everywhere. Yeah. I hope they're paying you all as well as the UPS drivers. Yeah, for real. Actually fun fact. My wife ordered like a new console table or something for our house and the fedex guy was taking it out of his truck today perks of working from home i guess and i saw him like struggling with this massive box and like really heavy and so i ran out there and helped him i'm like how do they expect these people to carry these boxes in? it's insane
0: they're athletes
1: anyways um Kira Fontana says Cam looks like a 60s private investigator with that (gasps) schmexy mustache to up the stash game all the way from South London.
0: Now that That I'm looking at you, you do look like a private investigator. Do I? Yeah. It's good. (laughs) P.I. vibes.
1: Looks like something. (laughs) Like a 80s movie or I don't know. Cam Higby (laughs) (laughs) P.I. Lexi A. says, finally able to catch your show live for the first time. I love the fresh and real perspectives y'all bring to the table in such a broken society. Thank
0: you so much. And guys, you're going to want to catch the show Friday. We have a very big announcement. So be there or be square, guys. Uh, We'll we'll give you the announcement at the end of the show. Um, You might hear it tomorrow if you're following me on Instagram or on Twitter. So... How to do a smooth plug
1: shameless plug (laughs) exciting times. yeah it is exciting uh let's see Uh, must pavlov dogs says i may be anti-woke now but please don't think alec is representative of most progressives his rudeness is a personality issue not a political one
0: yeah he's clearly not i don't think you meet people like that very often he's an outlier i think
1: Yeah. Uh, Viper US 69 says, if you just give people money, it teaches them that they don't have to work for it. It's the feed the fish slash teach to fish thing.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, You know, if you just like give somebody something that they need, you're kind of hindering them in the process of, of getting there themselves. Now, can people get a little help, a little push along the way? I think so.
1: Frank Mayan just sends a less than three uh text heart. So oh, thank you. Thank Frank. you. Franklin says, Did you guys see the Best Buy McKinsey Leadership Academy program? They openly said they didn't want white applicants. No. Anti whitism is institutional now.
0: Best buy like the store? I guess. I'm not surprised by that at all. Uh and uh you know, it's, it's since gone downhill. You try to go to a Best Buy in Los Angeles, you're not getting nothing, guys. It's all been shoplifted or stolen. Like <laughs> It's all gone. There's nothing going on here. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I'm not surprised at all that they're doing diversity, you know, trainings and stuff like that because every major corporation, it feels like in this country, is doing exactly that.
1: It's another. we going to have to boycott another one. Yeah. Target, Bud Light. Boycott oh Best Buy. Best Buy. Side Middle list. What's that safe company now that was like gave up? Did you see that? There's like some company that makes safes that sent the FBI the like code to get into some guy who's being indicted for January sixth stuff. No. Anyways, I don't know. If You guys know about it? Tell us more in the chat. Well, but uh, people are like, give them the, the Bud Light treatment No, right. It's getting it's getting out of control. It's hard to keep track of all the stuff we're supposed to boycott.
0: Do y'all have safes though? Uh, are y'all 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 got safes? What type? Well, of I think is? it's
1: gun safes in particular. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Ange says, finally catching another live while at work. Watched this last hey. night. So I'm just here to see everyone else cringe with Alec popcorn emoji. Goodness. Keep it up, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's probably good if you know what's gonna happen, just waiting for the reaction.
1: <laughs> oh, it's Liberty Safe is what I was referring to. See so y'all. Liberty know Safe. Up. Uh, Natalia Chung says hi from Finland it's really odd to see race brought into every conversation in the U.S. super happy to find Amala and the channel thank you for existing
0: oh thank you yeah it's crazy I feel like I don't know I need to I need to do some maybe some more traveling to see what conversations are happening in other places but like man is it really forward here like and I feel like it's not virtually you know in in most places other than like places that are more racist than here of course But it's still like quiet racism. It's more like a judgy racism than like whatever's happening here.
1: Yeah. And it's it's like seems like a recent phenomenon too. Like growing up in the 90s, early 2000s, et cetera. Right. We were in a better spot for sure. Yeah. So what a time to be alive. Eagle Eye says in 2020, there were white people prostrating themselves in front of black people like doing mock slave reversal.
0: Oh, wow. I did not see that.
1: I saw, I saw some of those viral videos of, like, white people kissing s- black people's feet. Yeah, stuff. that,
0: but I didn't see, them like, a mock slave thing.
1: Oh, no. That, that sounds oddly specific. <laughs> it does. By the way, on the point that they raise in the video, I did do a quick Google search about uh, whether the U.S. has ever formally apologized for slavery. And they've had several apologies. But most recently, I think in 2008, uh, the Congress issued a formal apology for slavery and Jim Crow. Dude, US House I'm like what do they want so. Do you
0: want like a plaque that's next to the Declaration of Independence or something like I don't understand and how does that help anybody. Uh, I'm oh, pretty no. sure like we every single American citizen like learns about slavery and how horrible it was and how you know like you, you should never go in that direction as a country. How much more th- do you need. I don't I don't get it.
1: don't either. Uh, Alex. When
0: will you learn. <laughs> Your fantasies will never be quenched.
1: Alex says, uh, Hey there gang, I'm really glad right now that my name is Alex and not Alec because he's (laughs) a few nuts short of a fruitcake. How was your guys' weekend?
0: My weekend was good. I was just working all all weekend for the most part.
1: Well, Amla was hustling. I was chilling in DC with my, my brother lives in DC and I got to go, uh, to Arlington National Cemetery, the National Gallery of Art, the... uh american history museum space museum yeah uh ford's theater where lincoln was assassinated so i was america-ing very hard this past weekend and it was great
0: it's so much better as an adult like i went there and like when i was like in third grade or something you just don't have the appreciation for it is when you go when you're an adult no
1: no and it like inspires me like i was watching this lincoln documentary last night which by the way like just people do not understand like <laughs> what how much it took to to fight to end slavery and just everything that went into that and like the 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 free the uh freedom with which people i don't even want to say freedom but like the the quickness with which uh cavalierness with which they talk about just how racist america is and just how we haven't done anything to solve it like over half a million, over 600,000 people died fighting over this back then. And it was a defining battle from the founding. And, you know, it's just the lack of nuance and actual understanding of history. It's just insane. Yeah. So there's my little soapbox for, for a minute. <laughs> um, anyways, Brandon Orr says, never been on a live or even Super Chat. Just wow. w- wish Amala was there in this episode. Would love to see how much Alec would annoy Amala.
0: I was supposed to be on this episode, guys. I was invited uh, by Jubilee to be on this episode. But because of what we're announcing tomorrow, I had so many things that I had to do that I could not be at this episode. So I uh, myself am disappointed that I wasn't on this one. But hopefully you'll see me on some some future Jubilee ones. I know uh, a friend of the show, Amir Odom, is going to be in a future Jubilee episode, and I cannot wait to watch that one and react.
1: Yeah, we'll have plenty Jubilee content coming yeah. with amela on and with amela reacting. So, Tool Mom three d three nine nine zero says, "Amala and Taylor, I'm an OG Dennis Prager fan and been stuck on your podcast every day." after work yeah. since it began heart heart rock on
0: that's awesome thank you so much i'm glad you found us
1: that is awesome thank you uh anthony Shone says have you heard thomas Sowell has a new book coming out it's called social justice fallacies
0: no i did not know that i will buy it uh when it does come out oh my gosh how old is Tom Sowell right now let me let me give this a quick google because i know he's in his 90s.
1: Yeah, he's got to be like late 90s now. This I can't could... believe he could still write.
0: He's 93. I'm okay, sure. He, I'm sure 90s. he's got wow. somebody hopefully dictating for him or something, but wow. That might be the last one. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. What a legend. Yeah. Need his full collected works. For real. Uh, he would have killed in that debate today, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, could yeah. you imagine? uh angie i think this might be our last one today says you guys got me feeling like blue steel from zoolander i can't turn left thank you for your content i
10: haven't seen
1: zoolander Uh, you haven't seen zoolander okay well he's a (sighs) runway model Uh and he has the distinct disadvantage of not being able to turn left Uh so (laughs) he makes three rights i do
0: need to watch that that movie at some point or another i feel like zoolander references come up all the time and i'm completely it's all over my head
1: it's iconic. The first one's iconic. Second one, not as good. Still yeah. kind of fun. But
0: I'll have so. to check it out. Uh well, guys, that's our show for today. Like I said, we have a special announcement that's coming in over the next couple of days. If you're following me on Instagram and Twitter, you will see it there first tomorrow. If you're following me here on YouTube, you'll hear it on Friday. And I'll give you, you know, more of of the details for that. Uh But yeah, I'm excited to let you guys in on that, and that's where you will find out. So thank you so much for watching. Leave your comments on how you feel about this Jubilee middle ground. Black conservatives versus white liberals middle ground. Drop them down below. If you disagree with me, as always, let me know. We encourage healthy debates, so duke it out, but do so respectfully. Don't pull an Alec, okay, in the comments down below. Keep it classy, guys, and like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we're live. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And we post videos for you guys every single day. Tomorrow, we're talking about Takaya Young. And uh, that's a name that's now being circulated through, you know, BLM spaces and protests uh, because she was shot and killed by a police officer. So we're going to be breaking down that and talking about that tomorrow. So keep an eye out. More of a serious video. Change of pace. And I will see you then. Bye guys.